0: I was paralyzed after recovering from a very gnarly surgery to fix my bulging aorta. To be paralyzed after such an operation is rare. How rare? It's a 5% chance that it will happen during the operation. It didn't. What did? Two days into my recovery in the ICU, I couldn't feel my legs. I still can't. I can't use them either. For that to happen, there are no odds. It's so rare that some in the ICU had never seen it. The cause of paralysis is usually something
1: else. Well, um, I was born with a neuromuscular disease. A gentleman came up with a gun out and started shooting at my friends and I. I had a
0: spinal cord stroke, an infarction, the doctors tell me. Blood stopped flowing for a time into my spine. Such medical spinal cord injuries make up only four percent of paralysis cases. The other ninety-six percent,
2: car accident, I was actually born with uh, cerebral palsy, are
0: no less tragic but more common.
3: I'm Janice Wright.
0: She's my wife. I'm Mike Sugarman, and I'm still rolling. In this edition, we'll be talking to athletes who are wheelchair bound, just like me. They're. Just in better shape.
4: Yeah, my name is Steve Curley.
0: People like Steve Curley, the player coach of the U.S. Paralympic rugby team. Day job, a representative of 180 Medical, the medical supply company that I use.
1: My name is Garrison Red, and I'm a team USA para power powerlifter, currently ranked 16th in the world. Another
0: elite athlete who just happens to work at the Mount Sinai Rehab Center, where I go. And...
2: Everybody get ready. Baseline.
0: Guys at a pickup basketball game in Brooklyn.
2: Baseline. Baseline.
0: Baseline. And for wheelchair athletes.
2: Spread out. Spread out. Everybody spread.
0: Not so much for elite athletes, just guys in wheelchairs looking for fun. Not that it's not rough.
2: You will see people flying super fast. You will see people falling, crashing. (laughs) Um, it's like literally you, you can see somebody go from one side of the court and the other come back real fast within like two seconds because it's, it's, it's nonstop, nonstop competitive.
1: This is Garrison. Growing up, I grew up in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn, which is one of the more tougher neighborhoods in New York City. And shooting is the normal. Um, gun violence is pl- has plagued the community for quite some years. And yeah, and, and innocent people like myself usually are the victims. My mom basically told me, cause she has a background in psychology. She said, the, world's gonna, the clock is gonna keep ticking. The world is gonna keep going and nobody's gonna feel sorry for you. Um, You can't expect sympathy or empathy from people, and people can be cruel in this world. But if something bad can happen to a perfectly innocent person, then there's so many good things that are going to happen for you.
3: Well, as a mother who raised two boys, (laughs) that just tugs at my heart because I can imagine what it would feel like to see your active teenage son suddenly in the hospital. Especially
1: I'm an only child as well. And the incident took place right across the street from my home so my mom like was there like at a portion you know prior to me going into the ambulance and stuff but um you know I she looks back and my father and my mother looks back and you know everything happens to someone for a reason um we are true believers of that and even though you know like I said that that bad incident happened to me but it helped shape me to the person who I am today.
0: That person is in a wheelchair, a paraplegic, and an elite athlete, and that's
1: okay. At some point, you have to realize that you may not become, be the person you were prior to your injury, but you have to look at it from a positive standpoint. There's a possibility that you might be a better person um, after your injury than who you were before because of the fact that you're more aware of real-life obstacles that people are going through.
3: Well, Mike has only been in his chair for less than a year and yeah. we're we're already experiencing some of that. Some of that letting go process yeah. is already setting in. Some of that we're not looking back so much anymore yeah. or but, but but letting go and moving forward. Moving forward, forward yeah.
1: yeah. Um that's the main thing. Um you have to at some point move forward because well what my mom always would say is like Garrison, you're gonna be stuck. If if we allow you to be stuck and you know, you're just gonna be Before you know it, 10 years is going to go by and you're going to still be in the same position that you were when you were 17 years old. Like, I'm at the point in life now, whether I am able to ambulate at some point or not, it really doesn't matter at this point because of the fact that I have such an impact. My life is great. I can't, (laughs) there's nothing in life that I'm missing out on at this point. So it's like, you know, I don't have to go back running and stuff like that because, you know, my impact is a lot greater.
0: That's what Steve Curley will tell you. He is the rugby player coach representing the U.S. in international competition. He's very happy in his life right
4: now, especially when he's playing. Exhilaration. Uh, get energy. Like, I just feel better. Um, you know, from a health standpoint, uh, it feels good to actually hit somebody believe it or not. And he's certainly come a long way from the car accident that landed him in his wheelchair for sure. I mean, 17, you know, my outlook was uh, graduating from high school, going off to college. I had hoped to play, you know, college football. Um, My dream would have been to play at Texas A&M university. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had um, had high hopes and um, big aspirations, and um, you know, yeah, when I'm, I was seventeen, I yeah you know, I was hurt because you know we were racing cars and just being dumb, dumb guys, senior guys, and so I was already I was very immature anyway. But what I can say is that an injury like this. Um, it makes you grow up fast, and yes, initially there was a a period of of grief. But I had a lot of support from the um, you know my classmates and my my family, and um, so yeah, I, I definitely you know especially early on. I mean, because literally I had to relearn everything, and that's what happens whenever. You know, at least for most people, when they get a spinal cord injury, I mean, you literally have to relearn everything.
3: Through the sport while you were playing and now that you're a coach, do you feel in some ways that you've exceeded your aspirations, but just in a different way?
4: Oh, yeah, no, no doubt. Um, Again, just playing on the uh, at the at the USA national level like there are very few athletes in general that get to do something like that. So I've exceeded, um, I I don't consider this to be, um, like a downgrade in my, in my life. You know, it's kind of weird because it's just different. It's just a different path, but the success, the achievements, all that like i never would have um you know could have dreamed of playing at that level representing the country hearing our national anthem um all of those things that's a that's a huge honor and it's definitely something that that um i cherish
0: uh here's a tough question if you could walk again
4: would you Man, I have been asked that question. It's really a tricky question, Michael, because I think most people would say, well, definitely he's going to say yes. I don't know, man. I'm I'm married. I have four kids. I'm I'm truly blessed. And, you know, it was um, the new path that kind of led me to where I am now.
3: I heard you hesitate with the word normal and I already find myself putting normal in air quotes when, when I say it.
4: Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's kind of sad because, um, you know, I consider myself to be normal. I think it's just society that, that looks at us different. And, um, you know, I think it's up to us to kind of normalize, um, disabilities and, and differences among us. So, so I'm not sure I use the right word there, but, um, I do think it's important for us to do our part to bring awareness. And, and so I definitely appreciate you guys doing, doing a uh, podcast like this. I think this is really important.
0: Uh, remind me what happened to you when you were 17.
4: Yeah. So it was a pretty typical, um, uh, Friday night, we would all get together, hang out, park our cars. And um, a buddy of mine came up. He had just gotten a, a new to him Mustang GT, real nice fast car. And he pulled up and and he's he asked myself and my buddy if we wanted to go for a ride. And initially I said no. But my buddy was like, yeah, I'll go. And he hopped in and they started to, to drive off in the parking lot. And, you know, I didn't want to miss out. So of course I go running after the car and I hit the, uh, you know, tap on the, the, uh, trunk and they stop the car and I hop in the back seat, And, um, you know, it was probably about 10 minutes later. Of course he wanted to show how fast it was. So we were driving crazy and and we were racing. And again, it, we were having fun, but it was totally reckless. And we ended up, uh, flipping the the car into a uh into a big bayou or a big ditch is probably what you know most people would know it as so yeah and, w- and when we did like we rolled the car um it was crazy I had no idea that I was paralyzed I was not knocked out um didn't even realize that I couldn't stand up and and get out of the car. And it wasn't until my buddies, um, they just had like superficial injuries. Um, they hopped out of the car and, you know, they did ask them to help me get out of the car, uh, which probably was the worst thing that, that we could have done with a with a spinal cord injury. I, I, but again, I had no idea. It wasn't until they laid me on the bank of the, uh, of the of the bayou that I realized that that I was paralyzed because I was laying flat and I remember asking them I said hey will y'all please put my legs down because it felt like that my legs were sticking straight up in the air and they were like Steve you're laying flat and it was at that time that um uh, that I knew that I was in pretty serious condition and uh I was scared, like, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's a scary, you know, at 17 or any age, anytime something like that happens, it's a, it's a, it's a scary situation to be in. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You would know, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was scary.
0: Everybody's got a different story and a different way to deal with it.
4: Move
2: apart. Move apart.
0: At the McCarran Playground in Brooklyn every Monday night. Push as best as you can. It's pick up basketball people like Jamie Solea look forward to all week.
1: It's like a shot in the arm of a second chance in life. It feels um, invigorating. I feel inspired uh, with a robust energy that I'm welcomed and um, that I'm part of a family of the disabled community.
3: It can become lonely and it can be cumbersome.
0: This is Danica Cousins. The assistant coach, who says that a wheelchair basketball teacher. got her so, back into the life.
3: If you're not, if you're just stuck in that mundane setting of, I don't think I could do anything else. So if you get up and just put yourself out there and give it a try, you, you'll see a world of a difference. And I've been able to experience that.
0: And the coach, Tyrone Eddy.
2: Growing up, you know, you don't know if you can... You can't play sports as an adaptive person, person with disabilities, um, because everybody's looking at you and saying, oh, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, or just not giving the opportunity. So I took it upon myself to be like, no, being independent is, is everything. It sounds like you are alive when you're out there. And yeah, I do come alive because I'm a whole nother person. This is the opposite of who I am. So... I love it.
0: So, uh, so what's your takeaway from all this?
3: Uh, well, there's, there's, it's impossible to have one takeaway. I'll tell you though about that basketball game that we went to. I can't, you can't imagine what these kind of adaptive sports look like unless you actually see, see them playing. Uh, I was just. I was just stunned and surprised and to see these guys, and there, there was the one woman out there in these amazing wheelchairs just powering up and down the court. And they all had slightly different styles, and they were all so jubilant and so alive, I think as one of them said, that it makes them feel. And, and so nice. They were all so nice to each other. They were so welcoming to you. You know, going out of their way to attempt to show you how to shoot from the wheelchair, which was, you know, you weren't bad.
0: I, they gave me the ball, and I tried to shoot it, and it went about six feet. <laughs> yeah. There's a technique. My arms aren't that strong, yeah, I guess, yeah. but there is a technique, is which a I t- don't yeah. have. Yeah. So As I was doing the story, I noticed two things. I have two takeaways. One is they were jubilant. Yeah. They were, I yeah. think you might have said that. They were just very happy. Mm -hmm. And they enjoyed, they were enjoying that evening so much that it gave me uh, a lift. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is both Steve and Garrison, who we talked to, when asked, said they didn't care if they walked again. Their lives were pretty good. And walking wasn't important to them. Now... Steve mentioned it. I don't think I used it. He, he's not happy with his bowel and bladder program because when you're paralyzed nothing works below the waist and it's a, it's a two hour bathroom routine. Uh,
3: you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> no, I know. I know.
0: But it's, uh, you know, I, I could, I'd like to get rid of that, but if I never walked again I'd be okay. It's not a big deal. Uh, being in a wheelchair is okay. My life is getting better. This is the first year, and they say the first year is the hardest. And and we've had some setbacks. We uh, I always say it's two rolls forward, one roll back. But if I never walked again, it's okay. Uh, and I'm actually hopeful that things are going to get better and normal.
3: Which... Uh, Steven and, and Garrison just they, they just amaze me every time we talk to them, and we're so lucky to know them. I'm Janice Wright.:
0: and I'm Mike Sugarman, and I'm still rolling.